The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, and welcome to episode number 176 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all the gaming industry with me. I have Dustin Galker. I have Adam Candy. Our first podcast of 2023. You can follow them on the Twitter machine if you want to at Dustin Galker at Adam Candy. Two E's no Y. And if you hit yourself, you can follow me at Matt Brown M2. We will look at Ohio launching at 1201. And what an interesting launch it was for sports fans in that state. No doubt to talk about DraftKings as well. Barstool. But let's kick things off here. Um, listen, just a little bit of a, you know, listen, we're, we're humans guys, and we are certainly not going to start this podcast off without at least acknowledging kind of the, the dark cloud here over the sports world. As we sit right now, not knowing what is happening with DeMar Hamlin, not knowing how this situation is all going to, to play out. And, you know, it's, it's something I've watched nearly every single snap of every football game for the last decade and something that I've never even come close to having to experience or having seen. And, and Adam, I know you're, you're, you're pretty much the same here when it comes to, to, you know, the volume of games that you watch and things like that. And, you know, it was just a very surreal circumstance to sit there and look at. And I know that, you know, the ESPN crew was was catching flack from people out there and all that. And, you know, having done broadcasting and you and I actually being on air together when the when the pandemic hit and all the things like that, like you're just not prepared for for this stuff there. There was no way I thought those guys did as best as they possibly could do. I mean, they were just they had to take off their analyst hat. They had to take off their hosting hat. They had to take off their insider hat if you're Adam Schefter and, and basically just be, be humans. Right. And just kind of talk emotionally and talk from the heart. And, you know, I, I thought that they did as well as they could do with everything. And I guess, you know, when it was all said and done, the NFL made the right decision. I know people were, were worried about the timing of all of that. I don't know when the timing actually played out. So I guess I give them at least a little bit of leeway there with all that, but man, it's just a, a, a brutal thing to start here in, in 2023. Oh, without question, Matt, Um, you know, to go back to what you mentioned a moment ago with the Rudy Gobert and the coronavirus situation back in March of 2020. I mean, just a little bit of inside baseball here. Matt and I were doing a program that went from 6 to 10 p.m. on the Pacific time zone. And that news hit at about 630 that Rudy Gobert had tested positive. And basically we were trying to broadcast in real time the shutdown of the sports world. And when you're in that moment, Not only are you trying to process it yourself, but you're trying to process it for anybody else who is watching or listening. And that's the Mm -hmm. challenge that was in front of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman was something that no one had ever seen before. And with 
producers in your ear trying to tell you where to go. What's the next shot? What information do we have? Do we not have? And that was playing out on TV. And that was also playing out on the field as we talk about did the quote NFL want to restart the game? We don't know who from the NFL was involved in that discussion. We don't know what game of telephone was involved in someone telling the officials who might have told the teams to be ready to play again. These sorts of things happen in a chaotic state. And I think we need to all have some grace for the people involved in terms of what they were trying to do to handle it. And that extends into our world as well, Matt, as we talk about our tiny little fraction of this situation with the sports betting world. And social media is filled with people who are angry at sports books who hadn't made a decision about what to do with their bets, angry at sports books who were trying to follow their own house rules on what to do with these wagers when there was no information to be had from the NFL. Everyone chill, just chill and be grateful that this is what you have to be angry about in your world, right? Like that this is what you are talking about when everyone, whether it's the NFL, the sports books or anyone else is just trying to figure out how to proceed in a largely uncharted situation. Yeah, Dustin, I know we were, you know, I think we were all caught up in the moment. I know you were on Twitter and and things and like, you know, we're, we're human. We're emotion. You know, we're emotional human beings. I was sitting there screaming like, you know, cancel the damn game. What's going on? You know, all stuff like that. And, you know, as I took a step back, as I had 24 hours to think about it, I mean, the incredible amount of moving parts, the unprecedented circumstance, all the stuff like that. I, I did at least kind of back off of my position thinking, you know, listen, if I've never seen it before and we have guys that have covered the NFL, I was watching, you know, Twitter machine guys on there, like, you know, been in, watching the NFL for 40 years. They've never seen anything like that. Well, you know, same deal with everything else that's, that's going on as well. Everybody was trying to figure something out on the fly right there. So I, I'll admit I, I did overreact a little bit. I, I understand the magnitude of the decisions that were being made, how complex all of the stuff is. And so I'll, I'll even admit I was, I was probably a little bit too like, oh, you got to make a decision just like that, where it's not as cut and dry when it comes to stuff like this. Oh, yeah, I overreacted a bunch, too. But, yeah, we're mm. all we're all just trying to to deal with this in real time. And like, like Adam said, everyone is trying this is a very complex situation going on. And yes, sports betting and fantasy sports, all that is a very, is like it seems trivial, but it is. Mm. But the world is also going to go on and sports books have to deal with, you know, a game that is now, mm. you know, we have no, we still don't, as we sit here, you know exactly what's going to go on with that game. If it will even be resumed, but um, we don't know yet. We don't, we presume right now that, that NFL games might be played this weekend, but that's also up, up in the air. There's so right. much going on here and it is, you know, the, the business of the world will go on, but there's still a real person at the end of this, uh, who, whose life hangs in the balance and it, it's all weird and hard to deal with. And, you know, we're all, we're all just humans trying to, to, do, to deal with all that information in the process of, and then you know, provide the best information that we can around, you know, anything that's going on in the NFL gambling. What right. And, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, we want to acknowledge, obviously, first and foremost, we care about DeMar Hamlin. And first and foremost, we care about that there is a human life involved here. But Adam, you know, listen, our job and the reason people are listening to this podcast isn't for updates on that because we're not the best source for that. Right. I mean, we're not medical professionals. We don't have people on the ground there. Certainly you should be watching NFL network, ESPN, even the the national networks who are, who are covering this much better than us, but we do have our little space in this, like we're kind of talking about. And there is, there are implications within all of this. And we're talking about how, just how complex this even stretches and trickles down because, you know, you and I, since we do content, you know, in the industry and things like that, we understand 
this game in particular is a game of of incredible importance and magnitude from a sports betting standpoint, not only because of it being, you know, two of the highest power rated teams in the NFL, but we're talking about win totals in the balance. We're talking about number one overall seed bets in the balance. We're talking about, you know, a divisional when you're talking about the, the, the Bengals, like, you know, the division bets in the balance and all stuff like that. So, I mean, there are quite literally a, a, a massive millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that also are kind of tied to how the NFL decides to, to go about all of this, not to mention as Dustin, I mean, you know, fan, even the fantasy stuff. I mean, some of these best ball tournaments that were finishing up this week, first prize, like $2 million in some of these things, right? I mean, like 1 million to second. So there really is from in our little neck of the woods, there, there are a lot of implications that come along with whatever decision is made as well. Which brings up two points for me, Matt. The first of which is this is probably the largest situation that the NFL has had to deal with in terms of how are they viewed for their relationships with sports books, mm-hmm. right? Because no matter what decision is made, someone is going to level criticism that this is about betting, that this is about the NFL either protecting sports books or leveraging their relationships with them, which is, of course, all garbage, but mm-hmm. the perception is going to be out there regardless when this situation comes down. So that is a massive consideration that needs to be factored in. But I also think under that surface, there's a responsible gambling angle that comes out of this too, which is that, yes, you're right. In the aggregate, millions of dollars are at stake in all of the futures markets and bets on this game, et cetera. However, when we talk about the idea of never bet more than you can afford to lose, right? To have a set bankroll. Well, if you're truly just betting what you can afford, and this is an entertainment activity, then you shouldn't be all that worried about how quickly this gets settled or what the relative fairness is in all of it, because no one is making a decision with the intent of screwing you in particular. That is not the way that any of this works. And it is not the purview of the NFL or the sports book to do anything other than what it thinks is going to be in the best business interests of themselves, hopefully in the long term although we have not always seen that be the case, but hopefully with cooler heads in a situation that necessitates it. And guys, just as a a quick personal aside, this is not my first experience with a a player going into uh, this sort of situation on the field. I covered a high school game 20 years ago in which a player died, uh, you know, shortly after being taken off the field, uh, ultimately from, you know, blunt force head trauma. And I watched some of the toughest coaches and young men that I had seen crying and and just in complete shock. I watched the young man who uh, was involved in this situation lowered into the ground at, at his funeral. And it informs everything I think about everything that's going on here, which is not just the trite, oh, well, thoughts and prayers with the family. No, really, it's about it really is about life and death and these players who take it on that risk every time they go out there. And, and Dustin, I think everybody that is and I, you know, Adam summed it up pretty well of, you know, look, nobody's out to get you. This isn't about, you know, leagues or relationships or things like that, but this is a good time to remind everyone as well. And I think most people listen to this probably know this anyway, if not, and maybe we're finding some new listeners along the way as we head into the new year as well. Look, how this all plays out is all in these various books, house rules, right? I mean, like these are things that have to get submitted and approved by gaming commissions and all the different things like that. And so, this isn't like they can just willy nilly 
decide how they're going to handle all of these things. A lot of them have. If a game is not completed within X amount of days, if a game is whatever, if a game is postponed, if a game is canceled, like they have all of these specific rules all written into the deals that, that they have to abide by because these are the things that, again, they got approved by the various gaming commissions. Yeah, and and most of the sportsbooks have already dealt with this, you know, because because of that because they're regulated because mm-hmm. they they're they're beholden to to the rules that they set for themselves. They've in in most cases, you, you know, if a bet was square was settled, they settled it. If it was not, it was refunded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, there's probably might be a handful that have still have action on the game because because it hasn't been exactly said what's going to happen, but most of it's just been refunded, and that's you know that's uh, that that is the the fair that is you know what for the both the best interests. Of everyone, uh, honestly, that is what should be happening, right? The games, mm-hmm. games, not going to happen within a week. Uh, we don't know anything beyond that. Um, and yeah, they're just, and again, everybody, even sportsbooks included, are, are are navigating something that they they you know, especially a big event. This is a this is an island game in the NFL, where yeah, nobody's had to deal with this before. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, quite honestly, I mean, yes, in soccer, maybe in, in others other settings, but this is it, nobody's dealt with it quite like we've had to. And the NFL has had to. It's uh, yeah, black swan event. Sure, it's 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 that kind of thing that you don't expect it to happen, and you're trying your best, you know, mm-hmm. to do to do right by everyone, including you know the the, the players and everyone who's who's you know doing this because you don't want to be obviously obviously they don't want to be insensitive to the fact that this guy's still in a hospital, that Dan Hamlin's still in a hospital, and all of that. It's it's just yeah, it's it's just hard, but at mm-hmm. the same time, everything's a business. Everything's gonna gonna move on, um, and you know. We'll see what happens. Adam, I'll get to uh, Dustin here in a second for the actual kind of numbers and things on how the Ohio launch went. But I, I just from a from a sporting standpoint, we're sitting here. We we talked about that it was very interesting to and, and kind of unfortunate for Ohio just in general that Ohio State makes the final four of the college football playoff. And they actually weren't allowed to bet on the game legally because the game took place on New Year's Eve when this actually goes live on New Year's Day at 1201. But the most ironic, crazy, weird thing in the history of of sports betting that probably will never happen again, where literally a game-winning kick for the team is going up as sports betting is going live. They watch it go wide, and then it's like, oh, by the way, you can bet live now. You You can bet on sports if you want to. Like, that kick goes through, and you are about to get the best value on TCU that you've ever been able to get in the in the whole wide world because every drunk Ohio State fan at midnight in, in on New Year's Eve was going to be pounding the Ohio State Buckeyes. You were going to get Ohio, you were going to get TCU plus seventeen or something like that. But it ended up coming to fruition. But it's just crazy. You could see the countdown to the kick and the ball dropping, and then the kick going wide. It was just, it's just again we'll never see anything like it for for any of the stuff that we do. The Ohio Casino Control Commission had the better part of a year to get sports betting <laughs> up and ready. They knew when the college football playoff semifinals would be held, and you're telling me they couldn't have gotten it up one day sooner. Do you know the amount of money that was lost either to offshores, to bookies, or to other yes. states by Ohio State not being able to uh, receive wagers in Ohio, but of, you know, uh, preaching to the choir when it comes to that. It was remarkable. It was absolutely remarkable. Um, and I feel badly for those who couldn't bet in Ohio State because obviously, you know, they, uh, they, they couldn't bet 
on the Citrus Bowl either, mm-hmm. right? Like, they, like they, were, they were so excited to be able to bet on LSU and Purdue. And I didn't even put in the rundown that, that our buddy Drew Brees uh, apparently kept everybody from being able to place wagers <laughs> in New Jersey on on uh, on the Citrus Bowl. It's, 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 a, it's a damn shame that, uh, that, that the equity stake in points bet uh, kept everybody from being able to bet on on the Citrus Bowl. I'm, I'm pretty sad. <laughs> so, Dustin, how did things kind of go in general? Of course, we're only, you know, we're only four days in here, but, you know, it was, I imagine we at least have some some early kind of looks at, at how Ohio is going. Yeah, we don't have revenue or such, yeah. but yeah, to, to, to circle back, yes, we have a lot of sports books live in Ohio. They all went, the, most of them went live right around midnight uh, as the clock turned over. And I don't, th- I don't think Adam is really exaggerating when we, like, the, the revenue in Ohio would have been much different had Ohio State advanced. There's no no question to that. Like there'd been like that, that excitement of of and that having that game to bet national championship futures and odds and what have you live bets that would have that would have changed how much money is bet in Ohio in, in Ohio in this first week. So the, it's, that it is a fascinating part of this. Um, the the one piece of data we do have GeoComply, which does is does geolocation for almost every sports book on the in the in the United States. Uh, said it did 11.3 million transactions, uh, geolocation, you know, any kind of ping, things like that. It actually surpasses the 9.3 on the opening day of uh, 9.3 million on the mm. opening day of New York. So that's how much uh, how much interest there was day one in Ohio. Now that's how how that translates to revenue. It's not like these are these are pings on a for a geolocation or a financial transaction, not not a one to one correlation. But very interesting to see that. You know, Ohio had this whole year. People were pent up and, you know, they knew we've known for a long, long time that this date was coming and it was going to be at midnight or that first day, you know, goes into uh, to the NFL playing as well. So lots there. Um, I'll also say I think I think Ohio is really interesting in that we saw we're seeing more interest in responsible gambling out of Ohio than we have like every state combined almost. It's crazy what we've seen. We've seen. DraftKings and Barstool fine for activity is not RG compliant. DraftKings sent out messages to to sent mail to uh, people who are under twenty one about betting on sports. Barstool uh, had an event on a on uh, on a campus and 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 was uh, pitching its sports book. Like, and then Ohio also you know is putting out messaging about re- about free bets and how and making sure that you're having a responsible gambling message. I don't think and Adam correct me if I'm wrong. I have not seen this kind of interest from regulators on RG issues until just now. Um, and it will also good. It also rolls into Massachusetts where we're seeing this being taken much more seriously. Dare I say, this is, this is probably a good thing overall for the industry to start getting this level of interest. It's all, it's hopefully not too late, but I'm, I'm actually encouraged that we're seeing this level of attention to detail on responsible gambling in Ohio. I Dustin think it's a direct correlation to the New York times series. And I talked about the fact that there would be immediate repercussions and maybe this isn't the worst one of them where you start to see the industry in its own way try to self-regulate right mm-hmm. and then i'm not saying self-regulation from the books themselves i'm saying it can be self-regulation from a level below the legislature which tends to put in rules that are not as connected to reality mm-hmm. as the regulators who deal with this on a day-to-day basis and so we saw the questioning of barstool in massachusetts which we're going to get to in a minute here, but I think it also leads in when you see the questions that came from the New York Times series and then beyond that about how is responsible gambling being addressed that Ohio decided to take a step forward in a way that other states haven't. And Adam, just kind of circling back to 
what we were talking about with just the the launch in general and how the Ohio Ohio numbers could have looked incredibly different had they even you know gone gone one day sooner. Let's also not forget, um, you know, the first legal thing that they could have bet on with a very big implication involved another Ohio team on Monday night in the Cincinnati Bengals, right? And these bets are all going to be refunded. These bets are all going to to go down as as non-action. And so the what could have been, I think, from the first, uh, you know, initial month here, certainly even the initial first week in Ohio could have been just drastically different from, I think, the number we're going to end up getting. I mean, look, anecdotally, and I can only imagine in Ohio on the first opportunity to bet on the game of the year in the NFL. I mean, you know, I do a, a show out of the South Point. I was talking to the bookmakers there. They That Monday night football game was the largest handle Monday night football game heading into Monday of the season, as would be imagined, because, again, it was two of the top th- – arguably two of the top three teams in the entire NFL that were playing on a Monday night football Island game. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, despite the fact they didn't get Ohio state either in, in this revenue kind of push here in the first month, they're also not going to, to get that kind of game of the year either. So, I mean, I think we should look at these Ohio numbers when they come out at at the end of the month and we're looking they'll still be good because, you know, shiny new toy and things like that, but realize like what, what could have been, if, you know, 48 hours of either decision-making or tragedy had had not gone down. We actually have some numbers from GeoComply that I think will at least be able to tease out the transactions that were uh, attempted at the very least mm-hmm. from the revenue that is ultimately realized, right? Because these transactions, for the most part, are going to include money that changed hands. Now, some of that money is going to go back, but we have information from GeoComply that says over the first two days that Ohio had 11.3 million geolocation transactions by 783,000 unique users. Mm -hmm. And just for comparison, New York's first weekend, 9.3 million and 460,000. And the population of New York is about 8 million people larger than it is in Ohio. And you mentioned Cincinnati in particular. Cincinnati had 1.9 million of those transactions, which was... uh, double what we had out of Columbus at a million for number two. So you see the interest that certainly is there in Ohio. Dustin, uh, let's talk a little bit about Barstool in Massachusetts. Yeah, uh, this has been, uh, if you're not following the guys at Legal Sports Report and the work that they do, Massachusetts has been the biggest slog that we we deal with. There mm. are hours upon dozens and dozens of hours the Massachusetts Gaming Commission has been spending on licensing. And again, Arguably good that we're spending this kind of time on licensing people. You know, we just get rubber stamps across the country, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, Massachusetts is like doing deep dives into operators before they get it. Barstool, we've you know had a meet. They they were considered uh, uh, before the new year. They had two two days of meetings to consider their license in the last two days, and we just saw that they got preliminary suitability uh, licensure in Massachusetts. So. Um, you know, it had been in question whether Barstool was going to get a license. The commissioners there uh, have not taken very kindly to a lot of what Barstool has done, um, their work on responsible gambling and all of that. So, uh, you know, Barstool was not, you know, Barstool was founded in Massachusetts, arguably mm-hmm. going to be one of its biggest markets. Uh, and it did get this initial licensure when it wasn't at all clear that they were going to get that. So that's real time. I know. Uh, our writer Mike Mazio has uh, just reported that on Twitter. I'm sure a story will be up here in the, in the near future because this is one we've been following. 
if Barstool didn't get licensed in Massachusetts, Penn Entertainment, I think, is taking a real hard look at its investment in Barstool because, you know, I think other other lice, other uh, jurisdictions probably starting to say, like, oh, should we have should we be taking a second look at this? And they avoid that uh, that calamity. Yeah, I, uh, Adam, we were talking before we went on break for the new year about just stuff we were looking forward to in 2023. Of course, all of us like the number one thing just on our plate is is is, is Texas and what's going to happen there, because, again, that is a that is a landscape shifting thing that could happen within the industry. But uh, the other thing I am kind of looking forward to as well is if any sort of market penetration whatsoever happens at all with Barstool and, and if not does Penn then change their strategy, right? Because I mean, the whole thing has been along like, uh, well, we don't really need to market all that much. We don't need to run these commercials like all these other people because we've got this built-in network and we can do all of our marketing through that. Well, at least to date, if we look at the numbers, that hasn't really come to fruition yet. And so I do wonder, do we get to the end of 2023 if there's no real saturation at all? Do they make a decision one way or the other, whether it's, you know, change it to, to pin sportsbook, change, whatever, change the marketing strategy, whatever it might be. I, I do wonder if that's going to happen you know, sometime over the next 12 months as well. I don't think I'm going too far over my skis to say, if we get to that point, I think the pen board of directors will be looking for a new CEO who is not Jay Snowden because Jay Snowden has gone in so hard, so far on Barstool in a way that was, I don't even think truly necessary to sell the brand to investors. He has bought in 100% on Barstool and defended them at every single turn that it would be a massive, massive admission of failure if they go back on the Barstool brand. They would almost need Dave Portnoy at all to do something so far beyond the pale that it would give them the right to back out of it for PR and saving face reasons. But you know what? That hasn't happened yet, despite all of the unsavory things that have come out about Barstool and Dave Portnoy over the last few years. So I don't see how that happens without a massive shift within the culture of Penn. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting, you know, a a bunch of different stories for us to follow in, in 2023. I mean, again, I'm I'm super, super interested in in what's going to happen in some of these other states that we have been following along and see if there's any other pushes in some of these other places that we know um, have have had some failed initiatives somewhere along the way as well. Guys, this is uh, looking forward to another great year here on the podcast. Hopefully you guys are already subscribed and have already rated us and reviewed us. And if you haven't on the audio side, please go in. It takes five seconds. We really do appreciate that. And if you found us on over on YouTube, Hello, how you doing? Go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below. Really are going to start doing more things on this channel as well um, from a video side in 2023 too. So really do appreciate the support. It's all absolutely free. So we really do appreciate you guys being part of everything. If you want to follow Adam, it is Adam Candy, two E's, no I. You want to follow Dustin at Dustin Galker on the Twitter machine. For Adam, for Dustin, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. 
Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 